I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am officially declaring a national emergency. In furtherance of the order, I'm urging every state to set up emergency operation centers effective immediately. We want this thing to end. We don't want a lot of people getting infected. We want it to end and end as quickly as possible. If you are sick, you're not going to miss a paycheck. Your employer, including small businesses, have the ability to provide paid leave to you. On this episode of Newt's World, The coronavirus, or COVID-19, is now in the United States. This week, the lives of all Americans changed. At the urging of President Trump, Vice President Pence, the National Institutes of Health, and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, Americans were told to begin social distancing. And if you show any signs or symptoms of COVID-19, you should self-isolate or self-quarantine for 14 days. This is the first time many of us have faced a global pandemic in our lifetime. And we have many questions about how to face this new challenge. I'm pleased to welcome my guest, Dr. Jay Butler, Deputy Director for Infectious Diseases at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. You've seen a number of various epidemics come up and new strains come out over the years. This one seems to have aroused a great deal more anxiety and a great deal more intense response. What do you attribute that to? Well, I think as we compare it to other epidemics, there's a number of differences. Comparing this to the last public health event of 
similar magnitude, which would be the H1N1 influenza pandemic, we are dealing with something that we've watched from afar, where we focused on containment measures for a couple of months. And in some ways, I think there may actually be a little bit of coronavirus fatigue in the public. But now that it's here and everyone realizes that this is real, there's been kind of an awakening and some of the response right now may not be as timed as well as it should be because we do think that this is going to get worse before it gets better. The H1N1 pandemic, of course, emerged right here in North America. So we started right out with it in our backyard. We've had more lead in to this particular virus. The other thing that's different is we're accustomed to influenza. In fact, I would say the greatest misnomer in all of healthcare is it's just the flu because influenza is actually a terrifying infection. Coronavirus is something that has not been in the public discussion very often. And while public health officials and infectious disease clinicians are familiar with coronaviruses, it sounds very new and very different. And when things are new and different, they can sound very scary. The impact of any kind of major health event goes beyond just the number of people who get sick or the number of people who may die. But there's also a societal impact that translates into an economic impact. An economic impact can then have secondary effects on health outcomes. So there's a big picture of the interactions of how these emerging infectious diseases can really change life for a period of time. In comparing what the response has been in Italy to the response in parts of Asia, it's a bit like comparing oranges and elephants. The epidemic emerged in very different ways. And of course, society is very different in Italy as opposed to China. The governmental structure is very different. And of course, as we look at the response then in the United States, we have yet another type of society altogether where we highly value our freedom and our mobility and the customary approaches have been to use least restrictive means to control infectious diseases. So the response now in the United States is in many ways unprecedented in response to an unprecedented situation, which also requires partnership among agencies and the non-government sector, as well as flexibility on the part of the public. I know everyone becomes frustrated when it's not easy to just contain the spread of the virus. So our goal is really to look at how we slow the spread. And the initial response was, how do we slow the global spread? But now that it is in the United States, how do we slow the spread within our communities so that the healthcare system doesn't become overwhelmed? And I think what we're hearing from Italy is that the healthcare system has become overwhelmed in many ways. One of the questions I've been asked that I don't have a good answer for is, if you look at South Korea, where they apparently developed a drive-through model, they have massive testing, and they seem to have had a model of maximizing tests without regard to whether you had any indications, because they wanted to track people at the earliest possible date. I get the sense that we had a very different model of testing. Could you explain what the American model of testing has been and why it's operated the way it has? Yeah, I think the biggest difference in the approach to testing, particularly now that the availability of tests is more widespread, 
in the United States has been based on clinical indication. The Korean approach has been more oriented towards, if you will, any nose that walks in off the street can get a swab. And whether or not that's really of benefit or not, I think is a challenge. It also has created, I think, concern in the United States because we've initially had challenges with the test reagents with a problem with one of the controls that are involved in assuring that it's a quality test. That was addressed. And then the very next week, we started running into problems with some of the equipment and the reagents that are used to extract the RNA from the clinical specimen, which is actually not an issue of newly developed reagents, but rather a global supply chain issue. And I think when anything appears to be in short supply, that makes it more attractive. And I'll use the example of toilet paper. Suddenly, toilet paper is sold off the shelves. The concern is out there that it's in short supply, so everyone wants it. Testing is not the solution, but testing is an important part of being able to monitor the progression of the epidemic. And with the visibility on where infection is occurring, that allows the opportunity to implement appropriate prevention measures at the right time. And since we don't have a vaccine at this time, we don't have FDA-approved drugs for treatment, some of our best measures are some of the old-fashioned public health tools, such as hand hygiene. We've talked about social distancing can include things like reducing or canceling mass gatherings, and in some instances, considering school closures. The important thing to remember, though, is to do these things at the right time. In other words, we want to do the right intervention at the right time based on the right evidence. Let me go back to test for a second. What is the test? It is a swab into the nose. It's based on the data that CDC has collected, have now made the determination that a swab both of the nose and the throat is not necessary, that the swab into the nose alone is sufficient. And that actually will help maintain the supply of reagents as well as equipment to be able to collect the specimens. Again, it's important to recognize that this testing has been going on globally. And as we progress into the pandemic, that is beginning to strain the global supply of many of these supplies that are required for the testing, because we live in a day of just-in-time inventory. And the ability to ramp up and suddenly produce 10 to 100-fold times what the baseline product was can be a challenge. Even though we're calling it a nose swab, really it's a nasopharyngeal swab. And the swab is passed into the opening of the nose and then passed as far back as possible. And then it's withdrawn and the specimen is submitted to the lab where the viral RNA is extracted during the first step of the processing. And then that extracted material, it goes into a polymerase chain reaction assay. And this is a process using a variety of enzymes where there's multiple cycles that try to amplify that genetic material to determine whether or not it's present or not. 
And a positive reaction suggests that indeed that viral RNA is present. It doesn't prove that someone is infectious, but it is evidence that they are infected. And if they have symptoms, that's important to know that test is positive and is the most likely cause of the illness that the provider is seeing and that the patient is experiencing. Should we be doing something to ramp up the supply or does that take too long? There's been a number of steps taken to increase the availability of testing. Here at CDC, there was a very intensive effort to identify what were the quality control issues that were slowing the availability of the reagents. We are now working with FDA as well as private sector partners to look at ways to be able to use other platforms to perform the PCR assay. There's also work going on in the government and private sector to identify alternative ways to make the diagnosis. It would be wonderful to have a point-of-use assay where it could be like influenza, where there would be basically a test kit that would be in your provider's office, a swab could be done, and we would have a result within a few minutes. We don't currently have that. So one of the challenges is using the PCR technology. The number of laboratories that can run the assay has been relatively limited. But as we've been able to identify and approve alternative platforms for running this particular PCR, the availability has increased. But it's important to recognize that still it's not a limitless supply. So the approach in the U.S. has been more clinically based and also risk-based. We know that older individuals are at higher risk of serious infection, so we are working on some guidelines for clinicians to be able to identify who is most important to test. And also it's important to be able to use these tests in situations where there's a high risk of transmission, particularly in long-term care facilities. I mentioned mass gatherings earlier. Anywhere where we have people living in close proximity to one another, there's a risk of transmission. And long-term care facilities are of particular concern given that they are situations where people who are advanced in age oftentimes live in close contact with one another. So are there specific additional things we should be doing in nursing home settings? Basically, don't go visit unless there's some overwhelming reason because you don't want to come in and infect everybody who's in the nursing home, which apparently happened in Washington State. Yeah, that's absolutely right. We know that the vast majority of people who become infected with this coronavirus have very mild symptoms. There is some evidence that people can be infectious or at least have the virus detectable in their nose and throat before the onset of symptoms. So even though you may be at low risk yourself of a severe illness, we want to be able to limit the amount of exposure to people who are at higher risk. I was actually in South Korea at the very beginning of the virus becoming an international problem. And if you walk into a building, they check your temperature. We walked into hotels and they would check our temperature. And apparently in Singapore, you get a strip every time your temperature is checked. And at the end of a day, you can have three or four or five strips that you're kind of wearing something that proves that your temperature was all right. Should we be doing something like that level of intense measurement? It's one of the options to be able to screen for early symptoms of illness and be able to separate people who are potentially infected from others. One of the challenges, though, as we've learned more about this COVID-19 coronavirus, 
is that not everyone has fever early in the course of the illness. Most people do develop a fever at some point in the course of the illness, but it's not universally present. So temperature screening can be part of the overall response, but it's important to recognize that there are other prevention measures such as being able to have hand hygiene products available or making sure that soap and water is available as well as towels to dry hands. And then frequently touched surfaces may play a role in transmission. For instance, if I sneeze into my hands and I'm infected, I could put my hand then on the counter and then 30 seconds later, someone else comes along, touches the counter. The virus is capable of surviving on surfaces at least for a period of minutes to even a few hours under the right conditions. In fact, in laboratory, we can create conditions where it might survive for days, but we don't know that that happens in real life. To focus on hand hygiene is important and then cleaning those frequently touched surfaces thinking about ways that we can minimize our exposure to one another and to frequently touch surfaces is something that we can all do to help reduce spread of the coronavirus. If you start to have symptoms, is there a way for you to distinguish without a test between the flu or having a common cold or this is actually coronavirus? What's the difference? Unfortunately, there's no way to distinguish this coronavirus infection from some of the other common coronavirus infections or from influenza or from rhinovirus or from respiratory syncytial virus. The whole slew of respiratory viruses out there that can cause respiratory symptoms as well as fever and muscle ache. So it really does require that when you develop symptoms that you self-isolate. And it's more important than ever that we don't try to tough it out and just go into work when we have a respiratory illness, because it's just putting other people at risk. Next, what Americans can do to protect themselves from the spread of COVID-19. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Even if you're healthy, is there a virtue to maximizing the number of people in your shop who work from home or who telecommute rather than coming in? Yeah, that's an important part of social distancing, particularly at this point in the epidemic, so that we can reduce the rapid spread of the infection and distribute the impact of the epidemic over as long a period as possible. So even though you may be at low risk of severe infection yourself, keep in mind that the people you work with particularly those who are older, those with chronic heart, lung, kidney disease, or diabetes, or who are on immunosuppressive medications, may be at higher risk. If I wash my hands regularly and I try to avoid large groups, are there other specific things the average American should be doing? I think the final thing that's important for everybody to do is to monitor the situation closely. Some of the best sources of information include the website at the CDC, cdc.gov slash COVID-19, as well as information through your local or state health department. I know Johns Hopkins University also has a very well-monitored and edited website. The WHO has daily updates on the global situation as well. And the final thing that's important is while everybody's concerned, anytime we have a new pandemic of an infectious disease, it's important to be prepared rather than scared, that we're ready to be flexible when our plans may be frustrated by cancellations or we may be tied up 
forced to stay at home because of quarantine or isolation recommendations. But the more that we can do the things that have been recommended all along, such as being prepared for hurricane, earthquake, or other natural disasters, apply in an infectious disease outbreak as well. So having some of those non-perishable foods on hand is an important part of being able to stay home as much as possible if that becomes needed. Next, how soon will the United States have a coronavirus vaccine? If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. 
I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What does your gut tell you is the earliest we're likely to have a vaccine? So a vaccine that's ready to enter into trials in humans may be a few months away, but there's still a number of steps that have to be taken before we have a vaccine that's available to the general public. So that's at least a year to a year and a half away. And it's important to recognize this is not uh, bureaucratic steps and check boxes that have to be ticked off. It's critically important that we know a vaccine is safe and that it's effective before we recommend it to the general public. What's your sense as somebody who studied this whole area? Is, in fact, this routine pattern of flus sort of diminishing in the spring and summer and then tending to come back in the fall and winter, is that, in fact, a pattern? And if so, is it also likely to apply to the coronavirus? Well, it's certainly true as a pattern for the influenza virus that we have a flu season in the northern hemisphere that aligns with the cold weather months, and we see a big decline in respiratory illnesses during the summer months. The reverse is true in the southern hemisphere. For this coronavirus, of course, the evidence is that it only first infected humans about three to four months ago, early in the winter of late November, early December of 2019. So we don't yet know what it's going to do in the summertime. So at this point, I would not want to take comfort that it's just going to go away in the summer. I think it's going to be better that while we might hope for the best, we also prepare for the worst and recognize that epidemic may very well continue into the warmer weather months. Is it also true, even if it did diminish dramatically this summer, that given the pattern that we've now seen for, I think the first recorded epidemic was like 1890, that we just better spend the summer and fall really working to be ready because it probably will come back because these things now, once they cross over from animals to people, they seem to like staying with people. Yeah, that's a great question and a really good point as well. It gets back to what I was saying. We want to hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. So it would be very favorable if we got a break through the summer months with less transmission. We would still not have a vaccine available by the fall. So we'd still have a large portion of the population that may be susceptible. So we'd want to use that time wisely to be prepared for the potential for a second wave of an increased number of cases as the cold weather months return. Listen, I really appreciate this, and I wish you well. I know how hard you're working and how much of a responsibility you feel for helping the country and, for that matter, the world get through this. And I just want to tell you we're very grateful to have a chance to share these ideas. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you and really have a longer conversation about what's going on. And unfortunately, it's hard to put it all into a soundbite. So I love the opportunity to sort of dig into some of the details. I'm currently living in Italy where the coronavirus has spread from 200 people to 12,000 people in the span of just two weeks. I discussed the situation in Italy at newtsinnercircle.com. It's a subscription service where I offer insights and commentary on the issues that matter to me most. Join today at newtsinnercircle.com. 
You can read more about COVID-19 on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newt's World is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Debbie Myers, and our producer is Garnsey Sloan. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Thank you to the team at Gingrich 360. Please email me with your comments at newt at newtsworld.com. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcasts and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. On the next episode of Newt's World, coronavirus panic sent world stock markets crashing last week with an index of global stocks setting its largest weekly fall since the 1987 global financial crisis and over $5 trillion wiped from the global market value last week. We'll discuss the coronavirus and its impact on the U.S. stock market and the global economy on the next episode. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.